Are you struggling to figure out your purpose? Like, what are you supposed to be doing here in this lifetime? Or maybe you're clear on your purpose, but it's often a struggle to fully live it. And do you fear intimate relationship could get in the way of fulfilling on your purpose? Well, in this episode, I mine these questions and more for useful insights to make a meaningful difference in your life. Welcome to Men This Way, the podcast for every man who seeks to live his deepest purpose in life, who's committed to showing up fully and giving his unique gifts to the world. Because if not you, then who? I'm your host and fellow journeyman, Brian Reeves. Brian with a Y, Reeves. Men, this way. A few days ago, a man wrote these words to me. Hey Brian, recently became aware of you. Was reading some of your blog posts and I noticed a troubling trend. Like you, the way of the superior man changed my life and my path through it. It seems to me, though, you have lost sight of one of the fundamentals of a superior man. Purpose, above and before, woman the feminine. A couple of the posts I read were Sylvie this, Sylvie that, over and over. Having a great woman is the best thing in the world. Giving her too much of yourself will lose her. I wish you all the best. I encourage you to reflect on this. Ooh, wow. That was quite a message to receive, you might imagine. And I will share my response to him towards the end of this episode. But first, I want to preframe what we're going to explore in this episode. I really actually enjoyed getting that message from him. I always love hearing from readers, from people, whether you're, you're voicing support uh, or in sharing inspiration, how my words served you, or you're calling me out on something or questioning something because it really just gives me an opportunity to reflect on what's really true for me. So uh, I really enjoyed getting that man's message. And as, as I said, I'll share my response towards the end of this episode. But here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about purpose. You know, I developed this framework for men that I call the five pillars of a thriving man. The five pillars are thus purpose, intimacy, family, brotherhood, and spirituality. And today we're going to dive into purpose. I'll offer you some empowering questions along the way that can help you reflect on your purpose, as well as four key takeaways that will help you deepen and refine your practice of living your purpose every day. I'll share a few simple practices that you can start doing today to help you ground into your bones the practice of living with powerful intention moment by moment by moment. And I'll also share two key distinctions to navigating the tension between living your purpose and showing up for the needs of a relationship. So definitely stay tuned all the way to the end of this potent episode of Men This Way. All right. Let's dive. What is purpose? The definition, the dictionary definition for purpose is the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. 
Author David Data, who wrote the book Way of the Superior Man, which the, that, that, that man who wrote to me uh, was uh, referencing, David Data, in that book, Way of the Superior Man, said a lot of really uh, profound things about purpose. Here's two of my favorites. He said, Without a conscious life purpose, a man is totally lost, drifting, adapting to events rather than creating events. Without knowing his life purpose, a man lives a weakened, impotent existence, perhaps eventually becoming even sexually impotent or prone to mechanical and disinterested sex. Uh, Fantastic. That's sort of a general statement he said about purpose. And I want to share something he said uh, in regards to relationship. Every man knows that his highest purpose in life cannot be reduced to any particular relationship. If a man prioritizes his relationship over his highest purpose, he weakens himself, disserves the universe, and cheats his woman of an authentic man who can offer her full, undivided presence. Now, David wrote those words in 1997, or at least published them in 1997, over 20 years ago. And I would argue that they are still largely true today. And of course, they apply for uh, heterosexual and same-sex relationships. Um, But we'll speak more a little bit about that later when we talk about masculine and feminine dynamics. But first, let's dive into purpose. What is your purpose in life? And is what you're doing today a reflection of your deepest purpose? Is what you're doing today a reflection of your deepest purpose? If the answer to the first question, what is your purpose in life, is I don't know, and if the or, and, and, or, and, slash, or, the answer to the second question is what you're doing today a reflection of your deepest purpose, if the answer to that is no, you are going to suffer. You're probably already suffering, whether you're aware of it or not. But it's such a big question. I mean, what if you don't know your purpose? And how can you possibly even know for sure that what you're doing today is your purpose? You know, one of the things that that I've at times fallen trapped to in my life in, in moments big and small is what I call the masculine witness trap. You know, the, the masculine in us all, men and women, is the, is the witnesser in us, the one that likes to lean back and, and survey the scene, get perspective, have experiences so we can in, increase our, our, our conscious capacity to hold whatever it is we're, we're seeing or witnessing. And in that witness trap, we stumble into the nothing really matters right? The, the sun is going to explode someday and consume the earth and, and, and maybe we'll have escaped the bounds of, of, of earth or not. And, but the point is, anyway, even if the sun doesn't explode, I'm going to die. You know, I, I've, I've been saying recently, I've been reflecting on how um, uh, Prince, the artist Prince, uh, I'm a huge fan. And, you know, he, we're going to be hearing music released from that man for, for ages to come. His music is going to be played for ages, and his influence will surely live on in other artists and etc. And at the same time, there will come a day when no one will ever hear his music again. I don't know when that'll be. Maybe it's a thousand years in the future, but it will happen where, where a Prince song will never, ever, ever, ever be played again. And so, you know, I often reflect, well, how can anything I do 
I'm so far from being a legend like Prince, at least in my own mind, um, and in reality, in many ways, uh, that I can fall into that trap that, well, you know, I'm not going to, if Prince's impact is going to someday disappear, well, I mean, what good, what, what use is my attempts to have any real impact? And so I fall into that trap, nothing really matters, which can become very paralyzing, actually. Um, but outside of even that masculine witness trap, just let's just put that in a, in, a, in a box and put it off to the side for now. You know, what happens when you don't know your purpose, but you think you should, or you just really want to know? Well, dysfunction, suffering, addiction. Why? Because the masculine in us all, again, man or woman, but I'm talking specifically to an audience um, intended as, as, as men or people who identify as men, although I know a lot of women will be listening to this, and a lot of women you, these days, my partner included, are, are deeply connected to purpose. So I just want to make that disclaimer that when I say masculine, I don't mean man. I, I mean energy. I mean a way of expression. <clears throat> the masculine identifies with doing, right? The feminine us, feminine in, in us all identifies with being. The masculine identifies with doing. And when our doing feels purposeless, pointless, meaning the doing is not oriented towards a, a specific meaningful point on, on the compass of our lives, our internal compass, whatever, if it's not oriented towards a specific meaningful uh, point, direction, it's awful. We're literally lost in our own minds. We are disoriented. Have you ever felt disoriented? I mean, it's a, of course you have. I know you, we've all felt disoriented. But have you felt at all disoriented today even? Maybe when you just woke up, for example. Maybe if you're doing something, if you're doing work, I have... Uh, um, friends that do work, and you know, I live in Los Angeles, and a lot of us, we come to LA to birth a dream. And in the birthing of that dream, there's often not a lot of money immediately available, and, and it can be a real challenge. And so a lot of my friends will take on jobs that they're not excited about in, in the service of that larger dream. But in the doing of it, especially if they become over-reliant, and who's to say what that means except for themselves? But if they become over-reliant, they start to become very resentful and bitter, disoriented in the, the predominant work that they're doing. Right? So just sit with that for a moment, that question. like, How does the experience of disoriented feel in your body? When I was in the military many, many years ago, uh, I was in the Air Force from the age of, well, essentially 17 to 26, I guess, uh, active duty for five years, training for the first five, active duty for the second five. But my time in the military was incredibly difficult for me. Um, not because I, I didn't see combat. Uh, I didn't do anything particularly rigorous or demanding. Uh, I was in the Air Force. Those of you in the Navy, Marines, or um, uh, Army, please hold your jokes. Uh, the Air Force was 
um, it was a very difficult time for me. Again, not because we did anything physically demanding, or but 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 just existentially, I was very much out of alignment with the work that I was asked to do. And I won't go into the details of that. I'll just share that while I'm very proud of my military service, I'm very proud that I spent time uh, in service to my country. At the same time, the work that I was asked to do was just completely out of alignment with anything that I deeply really cared about. And so I suffered greatly. And in fact, I would say that I was really functionally depressed. I mean, I just couldn't laugh. I couldn't cry. I couldn't really feel anything after a time. It's like the pilot light uh, in my in my, my passion of my soul, my desire to, you know, in my young 20s, uh, ready to just kick ass and take on the world and and when I, I remember the first day I got to my job uh, as a 22-year-old second lieutenant uh, in at Tinker Air Force Base, uh, working KC-135 refueling aircraft in the depot where they where they do all of the big maintenance uh, projects on um, those those aircraft. And my boss just sat me at my my cubicle, this sea of cubicles in this giant building, this building that was a mile long and. Like, I don't know, like a mile, a mile, half a mile wide, and it had seven windows in it. And it was this old Cold War bunker of a building in a sea of cubicles I sat, and my boss just clunked down this this 10-inch thick, what seemed like 10-inch thick uh, tech manual of the engineering systems of a KC-135 aircraft. And honestly, I didn't give a shit about engineering work, even though that was my degree. I just didn't give a shit about it. I was miserable. And, um, you know, but during that experience that afforded me the time to get a master's degree and I I chose to start studying things that interested me and I chose human behavior, human dynamics and human psychology. And so I got my master's degree in human relations almost by accident from the University of Oklahoma, but I was just following my curiosity at that time. And um, we're going to talk more uh, in a few, uh, actually towards the end of this episode about things you can do to really find and follow and pursue your purpose, um, kind of giving you a little foreshadowing right now. But you know, during that experience, and when I took a course on organizational dynamics, that was my master's degree actually, it was in human relations and organizational dynamics from the University of Oklahoma, I... Um, I learned that, and the military has these too, but, but businesses, organizations, I learned that they would all create visions and mission statements. And so I decided to create one for myself, for my own life. And let's see, I have it right here, actually. And um, so I'm going to read it really quick. This was my vision. I created this in 1996 when I was probably 22, 21, 22, maybe, I don't know, I guess 22 years old, yeah. So here's my vision and mission statement as a second lieutenant in the Air Force. This is for my life. My vision, every act, every look, every word rooted in love and compassion that the world may become, no matter how insignificantly, a better place. That was my vision. Now here's my mission statement. To continually strive for peace and understanding amongst my fellow humankind. To help facilitate within my ability and right the awakening of minds and souls around me to the awareness that we are all scared, lonely, and in need of unconditional love, nothing less. And every day is an opportunity to learn more about myself with a capital S 
and the world with a capital W. It is my duty to practice love and understanding during that journey of learning and to lose myself in service to others. That I wrote when I was uh, in 1996. Now, there's a few little things I might change about it, but for the most part, that core vision statement, you know, everything that I've ever done since then, um, I was an international after I left the military and I, you know, I had, to, had to go through some dark nights of the soul, but I was the international spokesperson for a, a company that had a, created a mind body product science. Uh, Oprah Winfrey loved it. I was actually on the Oprah, on Oprah's show, her after the show segment. She invited us because, uh, our product, she gave it away as one of her favorite things twice. And I got to speak on her show uh, about that and about the, the science behind it. And um, I was an indie band manager for spiritual music artists. I was a transformational event producer, you know, blogger and writer. I, I created a, a mindfulness organization to help veterans suffering from PTSD. Um, I'm uh, a life coach now and relationship coach. Like all of the things that I've done have been a ultimately a reflection that core thread runs through them all that that sense of in my vision vision and mission statement you can hear there's a deep purpose in that to 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 build connections to serve love to serve humanity's awakening and everything that i've done more or less i mean there's a few things here and there that that's arguably not so but um and that was all birthed out of the pain of uh, an experience within which I was not living my, certainly not consciously living my my deepest core purpose uh, when I was in the military. So, um, you know, the hardest times over all of these years have been, including in the military, because even when I wrote that vision and mission statement, I I, I mean, it's very poetic, but it's not specific at all. I had no idea how to fulfill on, you know, um, to help facilitate, for example, from my mission, to help facilitate the awakening of minds and souls, um, to to, uh, continually strive for peace and understanding amongst my fellow humankind. I had no idea how to fulfill on that. (laughs) You know, every day is an opportunity to learn more about myself and the world. Uh, Okay, you know, keep learning. Anyway, the point is (coughs) that... I've been myself personally connected to a deeper core purpose of, of why, of what the hell I'm here to do for decades, but I often haven't known what to actually do in my daily life to fulfill on that core purpose. And we're going to talk about that uh, during this episode. And so, you know, the hardest times of my life have been those times when I did not know what to do with myself as a reflection of my core purpose. And of course, you know, there have been times when I had to do something. I mean, I've, I haven't had children and only until recently have I even really had a, a, a legit in the last four years, a, a full on committed relationship in which I'm two feet in, not just one feet in saying I'm two feet in, but actually two feet in. So for a lot of my life, I haven't had dependence on me that would have essentially forced me to 
make money or to do something just in the meantime. Uh, so um, I just want to acknowledge that because I know there's a lot of there's going to be a lot of people listening who like sometimes you don't even have time to reflect on what's my purpose. You got bills to pay. So, but we'll come back to this. I want to talk about this idea of, again, dis being feeling disoriented. So, you know, disoriented, I guess that's kind of, that's kind of obvious. Like you just don't know if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You don't really have a direction or the direction you're going in isn't one you're really excited about. But what does it mean to be oriented? What does it mean to actually then be oriented? Now, as you listen to this podcast, I wonder, do you feel even an inkling, a sense of being oriented? Like in this moment, just listening to to a conversation, to an exploration about purpose and deeper meaning for your life, do you get a sense of being oriented just in having this, this dialogue with me? Like you're at least flirting with meaningful direction for your life. Or even if you're on purpose, maybe you're hearing confirmation, which is oh blissful confirmation that, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on purpose, man, doing the right thing. Like, can you get a sense of that in this moment? Because very simply, that's what... Um, being oriented means. It means having direction. And it feels really good to the masculine, right? To, to, it's all about goal setting and accomplishment and success. And, you know, Babe Ruth, the famous story of Babe Ruth pointing his bat at the outfield and, uh, and then hitting the ball over the fence, right? The thing is about orientation and direction is where do we get our sense of it from? And typically, it's the men in our midst. It's our political leaders, our sports heroes, our religious leaders, our celebrity culture, or our very human fathers who haven't often done their inner work, or our mothers, or our intimate partners. And let's just say women, uh, in this case, could be a man. But uh, let's say a more feminine partner, her or his orientation is almost always towards deeper connection which often causes us to then experience the dilemma of mission versus relationship, right? Do I choose my mission or do I choose relationship? And I'm going to come back to this specifically towards the end of this podcast because that's a big, big, big biggie. But the point is we generally will take on some direction because it's better to have some direction than no direction. And there's nothing wrong with being influenced in our direction by our fathers, by even if they haven't done their inner work, and most of them haven't, um, uh, but or by religious or political leaders or successful business people, even famous athletes or artists or celebrities, if it seems they've found something you're looking for. There's also nothing wrong with being influenced in your direction by your intimate partner. But just be mindful that all kinds of people will impose their sense of direction on you for many reasons. I mean, one, we're tribal, and the tribe has to all go in the same direction, or we can't be a tribe. And also, if, if someone else's direction is working for them, or if they even believe it is, even if it actually isn't, they'll work to enroll you into their direction, because that's what we humans do. We, we either generously show others the way of our own success, and, but if we're not successful, well, misery loves company. 
And so borrowing someone else's direction because you are unclear in your own can cause you to be deeply incongruent with your own inner sense of direction and struggle and strife and dysfunction and confusion is the natural consequence of doing so. We must each discover our own purpose for living every day. And we must do so even in the midst of the understanding that none of this shit ultimately matters. Because actually, it does matter. You may have heard the, the, the teaching tale of the, of the man in the beach full of starfish. Where there's a, a beach that is strewn with hundreds, thousands of stranded starfish who've been washed up. And as they're dehydrating, they're dying. And one man just stands on the shore, picking up one starfish after the other and throwing them one by one back into the ocean that they may, may live and survive. And another man comes along and says, why are you doing this? This is pointless. I mean, there's thousands of starfish. You can't possibly save them all or even really make a dent. What you're doing doesn't matter. And the man looks at him, picks up another starfish chucks it into the water and says, matters to that one. So it does matter. And again, if, you're, if your purpose is to serve your partner, well, there's a fine line between serving her versus surrendering your orientation to what she or he says your orientation should be, which is just her orientation, and it gets messy. But we'll, we're going to cover that a little bit uh, shortly. But I want to now we're going to actually dive in a little deeper with four key distinctions to help you better live and understand your own expression of true purpose. Distinction number one: there are layers to purpose, even seasons, and purpose is more than just an external aim towards achievements and goals. Right, purpose for most of us begins with the question in childhood, what are you going to be when you grow up? Right? It's it's the thing we contemplate in our in our in our youth and you know it tends to be we want to be a soccer player or an astronaut. It's kind of like the the primary colors of purpose. <laughs> um, that we're drawn to. But also, you know, there's our family's purpose. Is there's the momentum of our lineage. You know, if dad was a bricklayer or dad was a lawyer, there's going to be a momentum of us in the direction, certainly throughout history, obviously not so much today with all the choice and options we have. But generally speaking, throughout history, yeah, if dad was a bricklayer, that's what I would have learned growing up was bricklaying. So I would naturally be predisposed to being a bricklayer, for example. But, you know, this, this, the momentum of our lineage, a lot of uh, immigrant families especially have the momentum of survival, right? Coming to a new country, parents want you to have a have work that will ensure your financial success and independence. It's survival oriented, right? The, our family's purpose, even if we don't have that, there may often be pressure, as there was on me, pressure to um, to have a secure, stable job. I mean, that was again my my parents growing up, not too far removed from the Great Depression and, and the trials of World War II, um, there was a lot of orientation on just get a good job, fit into the system, and survive, right? So there's the survival-oriented purpose driven by our, our lineage and our family, right? It's, it's, let's keep the genes going into the next 
generation. Let's keep culture going. Let's keep tradition going. Um, you know, even raising and feeding children, the purpose might be to express love and expand love through our through our bodies and minds and hearts. But but more often than not, we just do that because it's what you're supposed to do, right? And expressing love is kind of a secondary concern. But that's the family's purpose. And then there's your soul's purpose. And that's what you discover you must do outside of the influence of parents, culture, genetics. In, in Buddhism and Hinduism, they have a term called dharma. It's your, your soul's purpose, like living your dharma. And the, the Bhagavad Gita, the, the ancient Hindu text written in Sanskrit, which, which means the song of the Lord. There's this beautiful quote that says, It is better to live your own dharma imperfectly than to live an imitation of somebody else's life with perfection. And in the modern world, this is often the great existential crisis. We've mastered survival. Like we got that down. We're surviving. We're fine. You know, in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we're somewhere in the middle to upper part of that pyramid. We, we're not worried about survival anymore. None of us are going to starve. Not, if you're listening to this podcast, you are not in danger of starving, not even remotely. Well, what now? So what now? What happens now? What do we do now? This is the great existential crisis that many of us face. And external, there's a difference also. There's an external purpose, but we also have an internal purpose or orientation. And your external purpose should be a reflection of your inner purpose. Otherwise, you may achieve great things, yet it will all be essentially meaningless to you. I mean, I rose to become a captain in the United States Air Force very prestigious and um, uh, commanded so much respect and admiration. And, and again, I'm very proud of that. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's so a part of my journey and it, form, it informs the work I do today. It's, it's a, I'm very proud of it. And yet at the same time, there's a part of me that just couldn't give a shit about it because it was so out of alignment that external purposes that I was I was essentially um, commanded to give myself to by that system, by just the whole structure within which I was serving as a warrior to, to this, to, for my country. Yeah, um, I suppose I achieved great things in that regard, but it was very difficult for me to derive great meaning from it. And if you have achieved great things in some pursuit that just isn't really a reflection of your inner purpose, then you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And to round out this distinction, let's talk about seasons. Because just as there are rhythms to each day, right? We sleep, we wake, we eat, we move, we create, we purge, we sleep some more. So there are also rhythms to living purpose. You know, rest reflection, curiosity are essential ongoing practices as we live and express our purpose. Um, you know, in our, our kind of modern work ethic, you know, I, uh, a ther my therapist that I work with, an older man, told me a really beautiful story about his father, or his grandfather actually, who, who was a homesteader in Colorado, you know, in the early 20th century, I guess. And um, 
you know, they'd have a week of harvest, harvesting their, their crops each year. And during that week, it was, you know, 18 to 20 hour days. And they didn't go to church. They didn't do anything but harvest crops for those 18 to 20 hours. But then the rest of the year, they just didn't work that hard. I mean, there was always something to do, but they'd get home before it was dark. They would, and they'd read to each other. They would play games and sing and rest or make love or, or go fishing. And, and as he said, his, his grandfather reflected to him, um, even, you know, this probably would have been 20, 30 years ago. He said, it's like, it's like every week has become harvest week for our modern world. It's insane. And so, you know, there are seasons to living our purpose. There are going to be times when you don't know what the hell to do with yourself, when you don't know what your purpose is, and that's appropriate. And that's a time for perhaps rest, for reflection, for meditation, for curiosity, and allowing yourself to experiment and to explore. And again, We'll talk about ways to 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 do this more uh, at the end of this podcast. But you know, I'm I'm reminded of uh, Steve Jobs. Uh, it was famously said about Steve that he would, in the morning, he would look in the mirror every day and ask himself, "Do I like what I'm getting ready to do today?" And it wouldn't be yes every day, but if it was no too many days in a row, that was his cue that he needed to change something up. Interesting. I mean, that's here's a man that all of us would look at and say, man, he was living full on constantly, and yet he still every day asked himself that question. I think that's a profound question. And your purpose will change. It will change. Certainly your external purpose, as mine has throughout my life, the, the external conditions and goals and, and all, but yet it's very, very often been a reflection still of my internal purpose which hasn't really changed. Even in the 20-some years since I wrote my vision and mission statement, um, everything that I do uh, has just been some reflection of my internal purpose. And boy, what a difference that has made for my life. So that key distinction number one was there are layers to purpose, even seasons. And purpose is more than just external aim towards achievements and goals. Key distinction number two. There may always be tension between purpose or mission and relationship or connection. If you've heard some of my other podcasts, I love to tell the, uh, the story or, or point out how in the Mission Impossible movies, Tom Cruise's Mission Impossible movies, his character is faced with the dilemma. Do I save the world or do I participate in marriage? And naturally, he chooses to save the world. I mean, there'd be no Mission Impossible movies if he chose to show up for his marriage <laughs> to a woman every day. And I mean, it's it's just outright framed exactly like that. And the last movie I saw it was literally, it was literally called out that he knows he can't he can't have a wife because if he had a wife, the world would basically explode. And um, I just am so. That it's just, it's so on point and so troubling at the same time. I hate the way that it's framed in the, in the movies, but I get it at the same time because I have lived that so often in my life. And I know that so many of us men are living that constantly. 
even if we don't have some big grandiose mission, just paying the bills, just doing what we think is necessary to pay the bills or achieve some kind of success can cause stress on a relationship. Because oftentimes the things that we must do, at least in from a certain mindset or perspective, to pay the bills means we have to spend time away from the relationship. We have to spend time outside of connecting with our spouse or with our significant other. And if we're partnered with somebody whose value is more feminine, whose essence, core essence is more feminine, that's going to be upsetting to her or him on some level, even if she's engaged in her own pursuit of purpose. So, um, you know, my own save the world complex as I share it, this has always created tension in my relationships. It still creates tension in my relationship. But, you know, I remember I was at a, a, a an, an overnight outdoor retreat in the Florida Everglades. Uh, I was doing, it was a peyote ayahuasca retreat and many years ago. And um, I remember it was a rough evening. You know, peyote was kicking my ass that evening. It was not a medicine that, that my body wanted to dance with. And, um, but I remember uh, like somewhere around three or four o'clock in the morning, I was there and, and uh, a friend of mine, this uh, woman uh, said to me, she was also just not really enjoying the experience. And um, she was kind of like, you know what, I I'm, I think I'm ready to leave. And normally you wouldn't leave till eight or nine in the morning. Um, and she said, you know, I think I'm ready to go. And I said, you know what? I think you're right. I think I'm ready to go too. And then she said, and then she laughed and said, as if there's anywhere to go. And it really struck me to my core because I it sort of brought this image to my mind of, yeah, I could leave and I could go home, but I'm bored here. I'm going to be bored there. I mean, I guess I'll, I could sleep here, sleep there. But I just it brought that that the the image the the sort of that 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 wonderful truth that you know I think there was a book by this name wherever I go there I am and so you know in my 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 seeking to save the world or to or to accomplish whatever mission I think I'm accomplishing what do I really think I'm saving where do I ever think I'm going. And this is what brings to mind the masculine freedom versus feminine connection uh, distinction. Because, you know, you can think of it in terms of, of purpose. Masculine purpose is to create freedom. Feminine purpose is to experience connection, to create connection. And the lengths that we go to to create freedom, I mean, just think in, in politics, in uh, you know, nationalism in business, even, uh, but in in science, even. I mean, you know, just trying to break the bounds of gravity or break the the the, the laws of 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 known physics, so we can do more things, have more experiences. I mean, even sports is an exercise in 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 breaking the constraints that the defense puts around us, that the that the the boundaries of the court impose upon us just so we can put a stupid little ball in a net, which I love, by the way. Um, you know, artistic freedom. Uh, Sylvie and I were watching Chef's Table, a great documentary on a series of documentaries about world-class chefs on Netflix. And there was this one about this, uh, I think it was an Argentinian Patagonian chef who did these amazing things with food and nature and and and. and uh, pits in the earth, you know, cooking meats. And, and 
interestingly, you know, he made this statement about how, because, uh, you know, his intimate relationships were never his priority. And he made this statement that his ultimate commitment was to just creating amazing food experiences. And if his relationships suffered, so be it. And it's funny because, you know, Sylvie got sad. Like that made her sad. And yet I was elated. <laughs> I got it. And it was, there was something in me that was like, yeah, sacrifice it all for, you know, for, for greatness, for perfection, um, for freedom. The freedom, I mean, to create amazing food. Or in that case, you know, for me, freedom is just to write whatever the hell I want to write in the way that I want to write it. Uh, a, a, a friend of mine, a man recently said, if I have to choose between succeeding in my work or succeeding in relationship, I will choose work. Which I understand, but it brings up the masculine fallacy. Freedom is the only value. That's the masculine fallacy. And my work with couples, men and women who I always see this. Often it's the man who craves freedom more than anything. In fact, most of us men, we will die on the hill of freedom. And yet without some form of human bonding experience, we always, we die lonely, unfulfilled all the same. You know, Sylvie broke up with me six months into our relationship. And at the time I was already, I was wildly successful. My blogs were being read by millions of people around the world. My coaching practice was was already taking off. I was you know making th- more money as an entrepreneur than I'd ever made it anyway, um, and uh, I just it was all working. And when she broke up with me, none of that shit mattered. None of it mattered. It just became absolutely meaningless. Even as I was living my dharma, I experienced it wasn't that without Sylvie life was meaningless. It was without love life was meaningless. And that experience woke, awoke me to the notion of devotion and not devotion to a woman. You know, as David Data and even my reader who wrote to me correctly suggests, you know, devoting yourself to a woman, meaning saying yes, you know, making a woman your guru of sorts, that doesn't work. But devotion to intimacy, to connection as a pathway to ultimate freedom. You know, in in episode two of this podcast with my friend Mickey Willis, he tells the story of of marrying his wife, Nadia, and how on the the eve of their wedding, here's the woman he knows he'd waited a lifetime for and with whom he had the most extraordinary relationship with. He knew this is is the woman I'm building the rest of my life with. And on the eve of their wedding, you know, six years, I think, into their relationship, he got cold feet. And he's like, what the hell is this about? And um, what he discovered was he had never been devoted before. He'd been committed. He'd been in relationship. He'd even been married before, but he'd never been devoted before to love, to intimacy, to a relationship, to a journey with someone. And the thing about devotional practice is it is the ultimate commitment. It is the ultimate connection. Think about it in terms of connection to one path. And that is really the pathway to ultimate freedom. And you see this in countless religious traditions, especially where usually men devote themselves to one God or to uh, being a priest or a monk or in some way a guardian or practitioner of that religious faith or tradition. And they're all in. 
And they go all in because instinctively we men know that in giving ourselves fully to the divine idea, in other words, connecting or merging fully with the divine idea, we believe we can experience ultimate freedom. Though sadly, we mostly still relate to that experience of ultimate freedom as some external thing that we can create, right? Which is what causes us to become quite tyrannical, like, like tyrants in our application of it, right? This is the, 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 the priest, the preacher, or even the monk. I mean, whoever is just so dogmatic in their spiritual practice that, that will impose on others to obey with the same zeal as we have, right? Forcing our way of, of, of seeking this ultimate freedom on the world around us, rarely really understanding that it's, it's an internal experience. It's, it's one independent of all circumstances that we are seeking and we can experience even if no one else joins us. This is what devotion is about. It is about ultimate freedom. And, you know, I, I've started this distinction. There may always be tension between purpose, mission, and relationship connection. And I'll say a bit more about this uh, to conclude this podcast in a few minutes. But I just want to say for now that we must clearly be discerning in what or who we devote ourselves to. But devote ourselves eventually, we must, lest we live an in-between, wishy-washy, half-baked life, even if we're wildly successful in all the external ways. You know, and Mickey Willis and another guest on my podcast, Jason Gaddis, when, when I asked them both in, these, in the different, their different episodes about, you know, how do you navigate this tension between relationship and mission? Both men acknowledged that their deepest purpose is lived through devotion to their relationships, to their families. And yet still for many of us, I hold that tension may always exist. It still often does for me. Which brings me to the third key distinction. We will never create the enduring external freedom that we yearn for. In uh, episode 18, I, the title of that episode was How to Stop Feeling Burdened by Life. And I shared an experience about my dog who, um, you know, all, all I ever wanted in life. I mean, you know, at least this was my sort of my, my, my Twitter bio. All I ever wanted was a, was a good woman, good work, and a good dog. And I got all of them. I have a good woman, good work, and a good dog. But my dog has proved a lot more problematic than I ever imagined. And I share that in, uh, in episode 18 and how sort of the same distinction. We're never, we're never going to create or experience the enduring external freedom that we yearn for. You know, one of the models that I work with in my coaching practice, oh, and by the way, you know, before I get to that, I'm just going to say that, you know, often our purpose is all about creating this freedom, right? Purpose is pretty much always about create masculine purpose is pretty much always about creating freedom, um, we're either freeing ourselves or freeing someone else, but it's all about freedom and one, you know, freedom through ideas, freedom through action, but freedom. And one of the models that I work with that I learned from David Data, although I've adapted it, you know, in my own interpretation and practice of it uh, is surely different than his, but it's the three stages model, three stages of relationship, three stages of intimacy, 
Uh, it can be applied to three stages of masculine evolution, of feminine evolution, three stages. But essentially, we go through these three stages in our lives. And it's essentially the from codependence to interdependence. And just real quickly, this isn't this is outside the scope of this podcast, but really quickly, in the first stage, we're all about external freedom. Fix the outside, right? F- arrange the circumstances around us, around me, so that I feel free. And 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 you know, if you, like if you're not happy at work, change it. Fire your boss. Fire your employees. If you're not happy in your relationship, get out of it. If you're not happy with your country, leave. You know, it's all about external freedom in the first stage. Fix the outside, which is futile. I mean, not to say there isn't work to do there, of course, but ultimately we fix one thing, another, it's whack-a-mole. Another thing pops up that frustrates or upsets us or puts a feels constraining to our freedom. So in the second stage, we're all about creating internal freedom. It's like, fix my insides. Now, let me do meditation. I'll do yoga. I'll go to retreats. I'll, I'll, I'll do get, you know, get self-aware and, and learn about myself and fix my insides so that um, I'm, I'm depending less on my bank account, depending less on the approval of my mom or my partner or whoever. And even that, again, there's always something that's going to disrupt our internal peace of mind. You know, we may come to a great realization after a retreat that, oh man, I'm, I'm okay as I am. And, and, uh, oh, I have so much love to give and, 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 and then we get home and, and, and we hit traffic and we're pissed off again and, and traffic, you know, we're going to work and, and uh, freedom's gone. Internal, that internal freedom's gone. That's the second stage. But it's still all about the internal freedom, the practice of that. And the third stage, well, this is the magic stage. There's nothing to fix because we are now practicing as the embodiment of freedom itself in which all of existence arises. I mean, I am so free. I am my upset. I am my frustration. I am. It's all welcome. It's all part of me. My partner's upset is welcome. It's an opportunity for more love to flow is all. my my. I mean, everything becomes welcome in this sort of, uh, there's just nothing to fix anymore. Again, it doesn't mean we don't in sort of third stage practice, it doesn't mean we don't apply ourselves or, or work towards some outcome, but we do so knowing that it, it's, it's very paradoxical because we do so knowing that it, it doesn't fucking matter. The world is still going to be a fucked up place. There's just going to be something else behind it that's going to be upsetting, uh, but we welcome it. We do our kind of pursue our purpose anyway, right? There's we just recognize there's always going to be something in the way of fully fulfilling on our purpose or at least some new problem or constraint will always arise after we do. I mean, we can see this in, I mean, the most successful people, archetypally most successful people, Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, uh, even Donald Trump, right? President of the White House and self-proclaimed one of the richest people on the planet. You would not describe any of these men, Elon or Steve or 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 Don as men without problems. And in fact, uh, you know, what made their lives truly inspiring, and I'll let you choose among those who are truly inspiring to you, but what made their lives truly inspiring isn't that they had no problems, but but that 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 men of of that these such men they, they set themselves to some of the biggest problems a human can take on. And that's what makes uh, 
that's what um, really makes their lives interesting. That's all. It's not that they got rid of problems or that they actually created freedom for anybody. In fact, I mean, again, you know, I don't not I don't I'm not making this political, but you wouldn't describe the man in the White House. He doesn't strike me as having a freedom that I want. He has money, but he doesn't have a freedom that I'm looking for. Certainly not an internal peace of mind. Right. So this is this is important. We will never create the enduring external freedom we deeply yearn for. More experience, more learning is great, right? I love to, uh, to, to apply myself, to pursue new experiences and, and to express myself artistically in the hopes that I'll feel free someday. I mean, it's very much alive in me. But often what I'm doing is really uh, an attempt to avoid being right where I am. And a lot of modern spiritual practice is the practice of just being present in the moment, being devoted, if you will, completely connected to this moment, what's actually happening right now. What if there was nowhere else for you to be other than where you are right now? What if there was no one else for you to be with other than who you're with right now? What if, if you're not with someone, what if you're not ex- that you're with yourself and that's exactly who you're supposed to be with right now? I mean, what if one aspect of your deepest purpose, your deepest mastery as a man was not to create freedom in the world around you, but to experience yourself as freedom within the world in which you right now live? Again, doesn't mean you wouldn't still work towards some great change or transformation of yourself or circumstances, but imagine doing so from a place of deep embrace of what already is. I bet you would do things quite differently. In the five pillars of a thriving man, purpose, intimacy, family, brotherhood, spirituality, connection runs through all of these. So ask yourself, What is the quality of your daily life when you make external freedom your sole priority? What is the quality of your daily life when you make external freedom your sole priority? And ask yourself, where are you pursuing freedom at the expense of connection? Because this tension between freedom and connection will always exist, at least on the human level. And we must each find our own answers to these Great existential riddles, but you must know that you will never create the enduring external freedom your mind yearns for, no matter how hard you try. Which brings me to number four, key distinction four. Living your purpose hurts, but not living it hurts more. It's not easy to every day give yourself to what in some way is an ultimately unattainable goal. Again, think of the man throwing the starfish back into the ocean. He's never going to save all those starfish. Living your purpose isn't easy. Elon Musk, one of the greatest entrepreneurs and visionaries of our time, encourages failure in his ventures. He says, failure is an option here. If things are not failing, you're not innovating enough. But failure isn't fun 
You better believe doing this podcast is often not fun. I invest anywhere from 8 to 12 hours per hour of published content, plus another few hundred bucks per hour. And I got to tell you, I mean, I love what I'm doing, but I, I really don't have a sense of whether I'm succeeding at this or not. I just don't. I'm not even sure what the hell. For now, success just means I'm putting them out. They're getting out there. That's what success means to me right now. But I don't know if I'm succeeding. I'm not even sure. Yeah, I'm not even sure what that would look like other than just getting this out. It is often not fun. You know, writing my beloved art form that five years ago massively transformed my life when my blog started going wildly viral. It's often not fun for me. I often write things that nobody reads. I mean, at least, you know, nobody, when you've had millions of people read your blogs and then, you know, only, only 5,000 people read one of your blogs, that feels like a fucking failure. I mean, when I started writing, I would have, I don't know, I would have, I would have done something horrible to have 5,000 people read one of my blogs, probably. Um, but now that feels like failure. It hurts, and yet it happens regularly. You know, just to sit down and begin to write, even when I know I'm living my purpose in this moment, just knowing the first hour, if not the entire episode, is almost certainly going to be a steady flow of shitty prose that I'm never going to share with anyone. That hurts. And, you know, living my purpose can also hurt my partner when it brings my attention away from her. You know, I've made choices during the four years that we've been together that were a, for the sake of, of living, expressing my deepest purpose. And they haven't always been popular with her. I mean, she supports me sometimes with heroic effort, but there have been times she did not like my choices and they even may have felt violating to her in some way. This is not easy to live my purpose. It's not easy to live your purpose. Yet, when I'm not consistently living some expression of my purpose, I get lethargic. I stopped giving a shit about anything. I get cranky and unpleasant to be around. I, I become emotionally stiff. I give into addiction. You know, for me, that looks like porn. It looks like video games. It looks like um, watching a lot of uh, TV or Netflix. In the military, where I felt daily disconnected from a meaningful purpose for years, I was functionally depressed. Despite otherwise having the passion and vigor of a 23-year-old man, what I wouldn't give for that life force energy today. And if you haven't figured this one out yet for yourself, I suggest you deeply contemplate this. Living your purpose hurts, but not living it hurts more. So if you're not fully living your purpose every day, and there is nobility in making your purpose, paying the bills, especially if you have children or people genuinely depending on you for survival. But otherwise, if you are not fully living your purpose, at least on most days, ask yourself, what's the cost of it? What's the cost of you not living some meaningful expression of your core purpose today? your core purpose, your core <laughs> purpose, your core purpose. Satyan Raja, he was my guest in episode 12. He offered a great question to ask yourself every morning. What must I do today 
to live, to love, and to die completely without regret. What must I do today to live, to love, and to die completely without regret? So to summarize these four, there are, number one, there are layers to purpose, even seasons. And purpose is more than just external goals. Number two, there may always be tension between purpose and relationship. Number three, we will never create the enduring external freedom we deeply yearn for. Yet, uh, work on it, we must. Work for it, towards it, we must. Just the same. Number four, living your purpose hurts, but not living it hurts more. So now I want to go on to the question, what to do when you don't know your purpose? Very simple. Make it your purpose to find your purpose. Here's some practices to consider. So let's talk about internal purpose first, internal orientation, right? Seek out a guiding philosophy, some inner orientation, something that doesn't depend on external outcomes. You know, this is what spiritual practice, this is what religion is really all about. I mean, people orient around God and the Bible. People orient around uh, uh, Allah in the, in, in, in obviously in the Muslim faith and, and their Quran and uh, but also people in, in Buddhism orient around this, uh, the, 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 the eight, eight noble path. Boy, I'm, I'm sure I just got that wrong. But they orient around uh, meditation as an exploration to, of, of, of creating internal freedom. But some guiding philosophy or inner orientation, something, doesn't mean you have to do it for a lifetime. But, but what path do you feel called to internally, you know, read inspiring books that get to the core of purpose. Some of my favorites have been uh, Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, certainly David Data's Way of the Superior Man. I've loved the Carlos Castaneda books, uh, like Tales of Power, one of my just incredible books. And of course, my own book, Tell the Truth, Let the Peace Fall Where It May. Attend workshops, retreats, engage in groups that are exploring the inner realms of human being. And meditate, but avoid distractions, numbing pursuits. You know, I, I used to read the shampoo bottle before before the days of smartphones. I'd go into the bathroom and I'd be so bored in the bathroom that I'd just grab the shampoo bottle and read it, even if I'd already read it ten times, because it hurts to not know your purpose, to not live your purpose, and it's so much easier to just engage in a distraction, whether it's reading the, reading your news app whether it's looking at porn, whether it's playing video games endlessly, or just reading the damn shampoo bottle. But we must give ourselves into that hurt, lean into that fear. Uh, Blaise Pascal famously said, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. When it comes to external purpose, here's some practices. Follow your curiosity. Remember in the movie, The Matrix, follow the white rabbit? Well, where's your white rabbit? Look for the signs. Follow your curiosity. Say no to what does not deeply attract you or enthuse you. Say yes to what deeply pulls or subtly whispers to you. You can't do it wrong. You know, as you go and as you give yourself experiences, contrast becomes your teacher. The experiences that expand within you, that create lightness and enthusiasm, do more of those. And the experiences that don't do that 
but rather cause contraction in your body, perhaps resentment or just sheer boredom in the doing of it. Stop. And important note, you know, you may still experience real resistance to your actual purpose, which might cause you to think you shouldn't keep moving in a direction that might actually really be good for you, particularly if you're accustomed to distracting yourself with addictions like money, sex, social media, the news, etc. So I suggest hire a coach or seek some kind of mentor, maybe even a therapist to help you navigate these challenges. No one can tell you which way to go. But it can be super helpful to bounce things off someone with wisdom, someone who won't impose their agenda on you, but who will help you see your hidden agendas, the ones that would ultimately sabotage you. And here's a practice that I enjoyed many years ago. Um, acting, I call it act with intention. And it would just is as simple as this. I would sit in a room or not sit in a room, but just whatever I was doing. Before I moved from that spot to the next, let's say before I went from my office to the kitchen or from the living room to the bedroom or from the living room to outside, before I did any kind of, before I transitioned from one room to the next, I would always ask myself this question, or at least I always, I would spend, a, I, I did this for maybe a month, but I would ask this self, ask, consistently ask myself this question, why am I moving from this spot, from this room or this place to the next? Am I really complete here in this moment? Because I found that often I was just moving out of anxiety. I was just bored where I was. I was just done being where I was. I, I sort of mentally, I needed some new stimulus, but I wasn't really moving with any intention. So ask yourself, am I complete here? Am I complete here at my desk? Is it time for me to move into the next room? You don't have to know why. I mean, you don't have to really know why. You don't have to have justification for it. But just sit with that and listen. What you're doing is you're cultivating discernment, discernment around action. I remember one of my, one of my really close friends, um, years, year, probably, tw- I don't know how long ago this was, maybe 20 years ago, said to me, um, I don't trust patience. I don't trust patience because it means that, you know, I, I believe in action. I may have said the second part, but he said, I don't trust patience. And I remember reflecting on that and thinking, wow, um, that's really interesting. Uh, patience is what affords us clear action. When we simply act out of impatience, we're often just moving the furniture inside our prison cell. So with this practice, before you move from one room to the next, just sit and ask yourself, am I complete here? And if, these, if the answer is yes, might be a quiet one, well, get up and move. And if the answer is no, just sit for a moment. Maybe there's actually a little more work to do for you to do at your desk that you're not done with yet, that you're just seeking to distract yourself from. Or maybe there's a conversation that needs to be had or something needs to be said to the person you're sitting with. I don't know. But just sit, wait. Again, you're developing discernment. It's a practice of cultivating discernment for right action. Elon Musk said... I think it's important to have a future that is inspiring and appealing. 
there has to be reasons you get up in the morning and want to live. Why do you want to live? What's the point? What inspires you? What do you love about the future? Wayne Dyer said, when you dance, your purpose is not to get to a certain place on the floor. It's to enjoy each step along the way. So I'm going to conclude with my response to the man who wrote to me, and I'll share two distinctions that have been really meaningful to me about navigating the challenge of mission first relationship or purpose first relationship. But first, this is what I uh, responded to that man, uh, edited for a little bit of brevity. Hey man, name withheld. Thanks for reaching out. Sylvie is not my purpose. Love is. My relationship with Sylvie is a powerful container within which love gets to expand through me in ways I personally have never been able to experience outside of intimacy. Because outside of intimate relationship, it's always too easy to leave when loving gets hard. So I don't say yes to everything Sylvie wants. And sometimes I make decisions that are really hard for her to be with. When I feel those decisions are the way love wants to live through me. But you better believe in those moments I walk the razor's edge of courageously living my truth while simultaneously keeping my heart fully open to her, fully present and loving with her and myself. And I've never before in my life been called into such depths of serving love as this relationship with Sylvie brings me. Sometimes kicking and screaming, I confess, but only because love is my purpose, not Sylvie. So that was my response to that man. May it serve you. Now, two distinctions for navigating the challenges of mission or purpose versus connection or relationship. Number one, often spending just 20 to 30 minutes a day really connecting with your partner is often all the connection time they're going to need the rest of the day. And we men, we men don't generally get this, but the rest of the day, we're generally free to pursue our purpose, whatever that is. Again, provided you know we make certain agreements in relationship, but largely our core purpose, we're free to pursue it after spending 20 to 30 minutes a day. Um, what often happens because we feel divided, because we don't know how to fully be present with our partner for even 10 minutes a day, often when we're with her or him, we're not really with her. And that is what causes friction in the relationship. That is what causes our partners to be upset. It's not that we're off pursuing our purpose and, and not tending to the relationship, but it's that when we're doing relationship, we're not really fucking there. We're, we're there physically, but we're not really there emotionally and listening and curious and, 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 and connecting with our partner in ways that are meaningful to them. But if we just spend 20 to 30 minutes a day, that goes so far to helping us navigate our own need to, to pursue our purpose. And here's the second distinction. As I've grown deeper in relationship with this woman, I have discovered that if my purpose doesn't ultimately serve my woman's heart, 
it's probably not my true purpose. I'll say that again. If my purpose doesn't ultimately serve my woman's heart, it's probably not my true purpose. Notice I didn't say if my purpose doesn't serve her ego or if my purpose isn't what she wants it to be. I said if my purpose doesn't ultimately serve her heart, it's probably not my true purpose. But I will leave you to puzzle the rest of that one out. Thank you so much for listening. Find the link to... um, Well, there is no link to an original blog. This was just... uh, I prepared this episode special for you. So, well, find any resources that I talked about. You can find this, uh, the website for this episode and any show notes at brianreeves.com slash podcast. Um, if you were served by this and think others should hear it too, please write a review on your podcast app. I can't stress that enough. Please leave a review on your podcast app. Your words can really make a difference as to whether other men and women will listen to this episode. I really do appreciate all of you who have left reviews and, um, It really means a lot to me that you would take the time. So I really appreciate that. I am your thriving life and relationship coach, Brian Reeves. Brian with a Y, Reeves. Until soon, keep your head up, your breath relaxed, and your thoughts inspired.